Last week, <clears throat> we were in John 15, and it was talking about that we are the vine, and, G and we, he, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. And it says, if we bear fruit, the Father takes the sharp pruning, pruning shears, and He shears us, he, he, he prunes us, so that we bear more fruit. And we talked about it, it's, it's a wounding, it's an amputation of sorts, when we are pruned, you know, when the vine is pruned, it's like you're, it, it's a wound that, that has to heal. So, with that in mind, we will continue on that thought this week in a certain direction. Um, where we will begin in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 beginning in verse 2 Deuteronomy 8 2 This is uh, Moses addressing the children of Israel before he died. His last address to them in the book, the book of Deuteronomy is a review. De uh, Moses reviewing the 40 years and the, and the time in Egypt and the 40 years in the wilderness. He says in verse 2, and he says, You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. So He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but, by, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. This is about something that God is trying to bring about in us. And the word today is the word humility. Humbling us. This is one of the things that God is doing when we talk about the Father pruning the, the, the branches. To make us smaller, so to speak. In the, the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, after... He went through a great ordeal we talked about. That he says that God is able to humble those who walk in pride. And not only is he able to, but he is willing to and he will. So, that being in mind, we have to understand the work that God is at work in us. God is at work in us, it says in Philippians. It says that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you and me to do and to will of His good pleasure. God is at work in us to bring humility to us so that we walk in humility and not in pride. And we see way back here in Deuteronomy, God talked... God, uh, uh, Moses talked about how God 
was working out something in the children of Israel. By feeding them, instead of, you know, the delicacies of, of food, he gave them bread and water, so to speak, manna to eat every day. So they would, and it says that they would learn something in this. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he says he humbled them by giving them manna. God was at work. And you see how they, they rose up against it. Why is God just giving us this? We want meat. We want, we want betters. We want melons. We want onions. We want cucumbers. We want fancy food. We don't just want bread. Give me more. Give me something better. Give me something better than this. But God gave them manna to humble them. The process of humbling is part of what God is bringing into our life as a Christian. And... The problem is we don't always interpretate, uh, always understand and interpret it as God at work in our life. Did the children of Israel interpret that as being that? Here it's 40 years later before it's explained to them. You know all that manna you ate back there for 40 years? Well, now I'm going to tell you what it's all about. God was humbling you so that in doing this for 40 years you would learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, well, why didn't he tell them that right away? Well, God knew what he was doing. This was part of the humbling process. But for us, it gives us insight in God's dealings in our life. That we might understand what he's trying to speak to us. Hopefully, it won't take 40 years for the light to go on for us, like, like it did for them having to be told. And so, that was next is in Second Samuel chapter 22. These, this is a psalm of David, the Second Samuel. Chapter 22, towards the end of 2 Samuel. Chapter 22, you will save the humble people. But your eyes are on the proud or the haughty, that you may bring them down. That was Second Samuel twenty-two twenty-eight. You shall save the humble people, or the afflicted people. But your eyes are on the haughty, that you may bring them down. God resists the proud, we read in the book of James, but gives grace to the humble. So God, of course, wants to give grace to us, but that's why He's resisting us, to bring humility into our hearts. And so, 
we go from there to Philippians chapter 2, the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2. In this world, we are taught, we are programmed to be a certain way. The way of the world. Think of some of the things in the world we live in today. Look at me. Look at my looks. Look at my body, my figure, my clothes, my car, my house, my profession, my education. My physical stature, physical ability, athletic ability, how smart I am, how wise I am, my accomplishments, my profession, my how I can impress others. Jesus talked about how that people were seeking honor from one another, not the honor that comes from God. To impress others. He referred to it as the praise of men. And that's what Jesus exposed. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the flesh, and the pride of life. And the pride of life is what Jesus spoke against. And so here we have in Philippians chapter 2, Verse 1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any affliction and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. What is this one mind he's talking about? Being like-minded, the same loves of one accord, of one mind. What is all this he's talking about? He goes on to talk about it when he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, pride. But in humility of mind or lowliness of mind, that each esteem others better than himself. That each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. This is the mind that he's talking about when he says, let us all be of the same mind. He's talking about the mind of Jesus. Let the same mind be in us that's in Christ Jesus. And that's where God is bringing us. God is at work in us to bring us to be the mind of Jesus. To be in the mind of Jesus. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, we have the mind of Christ. But is that where our mind is? Where we have the mind of Christ, but are we in the mind of Christ? Is the same mind that is in Christ Jesus in us? Do we have the humility of mind, the lowliness of mind that Jesus had. This 
is what brings about the love of Jesus in a fellowship, in a church, in a body of believers, is having the mind of Christ. And that being in our mind, as opposed to the natural mind, and all the pride of mind. Let the humility of mind be in us. And esteeming others better than ourselves. If we esteem others better than ourselves, where does that lead boasting? Boasting about anything we accomplish, our pride, our... Where does that leave us? It leaves it... It leaves it in the dust. It leaves it far behind. And we can boast about how, how much we know. And we can talk over others about all these things we've learned in such a way that, you know, we're, we're being arrogant and proud. We're exalting ourselves. It's a bad place. It's not the example that Jesus set before us. But this is what he says when he says, Fulfill my joy in verse 2. Being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and of being of one mind. And that one mind is the same mind that's in Christ Jesus. He says, "Let the, verse 5, Let this mind be in you. That one mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, and did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He came down from heaven, from the throne of glory and majesty and power, and came down and humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant. The attitude of a servant, a form of a servant. That when someone disagrees with you, we don't get hard. We don't get offended. We don't get defensive. It's the attitude of Jesus. Do you see Jesus being defensive? Is that the mind of Jesus? Of course not. Being defensive and proud and, and you know lashing back when someone lashes at him. When someone speaks evil of him or they're offended with him, does he get offended back? No, he doesn't. But if we do, as we talked about last week, God is going to begin to prune away at us. The stuff is not good. The word prune in the New King James is translated purged in the Old King James. He purges it so that it bears more fruit. A purging process that God is going to bring us through to take away things, to cut away at us things that aren't good and right, to do things that cut away at our pride, to cut away at our defensive nature, to cut away at, you know, self. So that we consider others, it says here, better or more highly than than ourselves. To look at others more highly than ourselves. Oh, that's... So what happens then to the competitive spirit? What happens to all these things that we naturally do? 
God, the Father, is purging us of those things. So that, since those things are true, begin to look at your life differently. And interpret your life differently. Open your eyes and see that God is at work in our life. We say God is at work in our life. We think, oh, I just filled with all this, these, all these powerful things, and all you know, He's going to make us this and that. First things first, before He can pour Himself into us and make us what He wants to be, we must decrease so that He may increase. As we read last week, the words of John the Baptist. So if he's decreasing us, there's this painful, we can interpret it maybe as a painful process, an uncomfortable process, even a wounding process of pruning or purging to take away so that we bear more fruit, we become more like Jesus. Day by day, we read in 2 Corinthians 3, we are being changed and transformed into the image of Jesus. This humble person, this person who took on the form of a servant, he put others before himself. That's the person that he is transforming us into day by day, from glory to glory, to become more and more day by day like Jesus. I think they make a song about that. Become more like Jesus. We, we sang the song this morning. Years starts out, the song starts out, Years I spent in vanity and pride. And so we did. Many of us did not, were not raised in a Christian home. And even if we did, we still might have been bound in vanity and pride. And when we become a Christian, there's still a lot of this stuff on us that the Lord needs to purge us from. From the, the, the way of the outer man. The way of the old nature. A man once wrote a, a song, I mean a, a book, and in one of the chapters in the book it says the different natures, the different the different motions, I'm sorry, the different motions of nature and grace. The different way of the flesh and the way, excuse me, and the way of the Spirit. And by the grace of God, we can walk in the Spirit. But you know, all of us have seen it in my life, places where we're resisting the Lord's calling, the Lord's direction. And so, He's doing, going, taking us through a process, either we surrender in those areas, or we resist and we, He humbles us under His mighty hand. That in due time we may be exalted. Notice those words, in due time. When God's ready, when, when He's put us through the process of humbling us, if we humble ourselves before Him, in his time, we will reap the rewards of it. In his time, not in our time. So I humbled myself before the, you know, my boss, and all this, and nothing happened. And so then we throw down, you know, God's way. And we begin to pick up our way, and 
you know, I humbled myself, and I, you know, I, I, I started doing this to the Lord, and, and nothing happened. And so, what's the good in humbling myself? In due time. In due time, we will be rewarded, and we will be exalted in God's time. Not in the time that we choose, but in the time of God's choosing. Yes, there is a reward for humbling ourselves and putting our pride and our, our defensive nature and all that stuff. There is a reward for it. And it will come, but in God's time. Both here in this life and in the life to come, there will be great reward. So... Jesus, God the Son, comes down and took on the form of a servant. Made himself of no reputation, became a man, and being in appearance as a man, verse 8, and he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross. The obedience to the Father, even to death on the cross, Therefore God highly exalted him. He was exalted. He has highly exalted him, given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The exalting of Jesus, past, present, and future. And so He will also exalt us if we humble ourselves and become obedient and follow the leading of His Holy Spirit. It's for us. It's not for Him, it's for us. It's for the glory of God, but it's for our benefit. That God will exalt us. That He will help us. That we don't have to be continually to be humbled and to begin to be humbled and to be humbled. That we would get it. So now, I'm going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 20, I believe. Yeah. A few observations from Matthew 20. Hmm. Matthew 20:20 Then the mothers of mother of Zebedee's sons that's James and John the sons of Zebedee came to him and her sons with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him and he said to her what do you wish and she said to him grant that these two sons of mine may sit one at your right hand and the other at the left in your kingdom. But Jesus says, uh, answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized with but to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. 
And so Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus, as we read in Philippians, says it again here. Jesus came not to be served, but to be a servant. To give himself for others, a ransom for others. This is our example, to follow in his footsteps. And so we have to have an attitude that Jesus had, the attitude of serving one another in love. And not of being served and things being my way, but God's way, to give of ourselves and to lay down our lives as Jesus laid down our lives and to take on a form of a servant like Jesus did. We also read about how that they argued among themselves who would be great in the kingdom of God. Who would be the greatest? And it says Jesus took a child and sent, him in front, sent the child in front of them. And he says that if we desire to be great in the kingdom of God, we must humble ourselves and become like this little child. Notice he said little child. He put a little child in front of him. Children get a little older. Things begin to change. You know? A little child. The humility of a little child is our example. As well as the example of Jesus. You see that Jesus humbled himself before the Father. And with that childlike faith, that childlike obedience, whatever the... He says, I always seek to please my Father. I don't do my own will, but seek to please the Father and to do His will. That's what we have, that's what we are called to, to be about. Not to seek our own will, not to please ourselves, but to seek the Father's will and to do His will, not our will. And that is a process of, of humbling that God brings us through. To understand and to know the work that he's doing in our life. To be able to interpret it. We, we, we can understand it through what we are seeing in the Word of God here. So then we go to um, John chapter 13. Before he talks about the vine and the branches and all that pruning. Yeah. In John 13, now at this point, this is after the Lord's Supper. Verse 2. John 13, 2. And supper being ended, the devil already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. 
Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and they had come from God and was going to the to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself, and after that <clears throat> he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now, this is after Jesus talked about, at the Last Supper, he talked about how he's going to be crucified. And right after he talked about him being crucified, they didn't even understand. They started arguing who was going to be great in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus' response was this washing of the feet. And then he explains it. He says in verse 12, So when he had washed their feet, he took his garments and sat down again, and he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Surely I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now in some churches they actually have a ceremony, a foot washing ceremony, usually around the time of uh, like around the time of the Last Supper, Holy Thursday, the day before Good Friday. A lot of churches have the, the foot washing ceremony. And when Jesus says that we should do as he did, I believe it's a lot more than washing each other's feet. He's talking about the attitude of a servant. Not literally, figured, literally, but more figuratively. Not that there's anything wrong with washing each other's feet, or that practice of that. Uh, but what I'm saying is, what he's really teaching us here is not a foot-washing ceremony. What he's teaching us here, he says, I, you've called me Master and Lord, you're right. He says, and if I, your master and Lord, am doing this to you, serving you this way, as, with this attitude of a servant, he says, you ought to do this for each other. He said, I have given you an example that you should do as I do. He said, if you do these things, blessed are you that do them. To take on the attitude of the servant, to have the mind of Jesus in the way we live, much more than a foot-washing ceremony. This is about the, the attitude that we have towards one another, not just in the church, but to outside the church, too. And to humble ourselves. And to take on the attitude of Jesus. Let the same attitude, the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. The humility of mind. Luke 14, verse 7. Luke 14, 7.
So he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best places, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you, and him come and say to you, Give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever humbles himself, whoever exalts himself, will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Another parable of which Jesus is explaining the true spirituality. That we shouldn't be exalt, try to exalt ourselves among others. God will do that what He chooses to do in His time of exalting who He decides to and giving higher places to who He chooses. But who gets the high places in the kingdom of God? Those who humble themselves and take on the attitude of the servant in this life. And the more we get that, the more we're going to bear His fruit. And so, understanding God's dealings with us. Last week, Dan talked about, in the book of Hebrews, about God's discipline in our life. How He disciplines us for our good. So we might be partakers of His holiness. And part of the holiness of Jesus is His humility. His holy life wasn't defensive and proud and arrogant. He was humble. He wasn't a look-at-me man. When they they decided, when Jesus perceived that they were going to try to take him and make him king, says he withdrew himself. He said, didn't need to testify what was any man, what was in any man, because he knew what was in man. He knew. And he said what it was. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. What is God pruning us for? What, are the, what is one of the things He's pruning away? Our pride. We're boasting and proud. The Apostle Paul learned, he says, He that boasts, let him boast in this cross of Christ, by which I am crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me. God forbid that I should boast. In the Old Testament it says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. I forget. Does anybody remember that? the rest of that? I think it's in the bathroom on the wall. (laughs) But when it says that he that boasts, boasts in this, that he knows me. Our humility as a Christian is something that we have to understand that God is bringing, God is at work to bring about in us. God forbid that we should boast except in the cross of Christ. 
He that boasts, let him boast in this. Mm. In the book of Romans 12, 16, it says that we should not set our mind on high things, but associate with the humble. And not to be wise in our own opinions. That's being high-minded. Being wise in our own opinions. In the book of Proverbs it says, don't be wise in our own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways, and He will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes is right after that. Because that's where we make a lot of mistakes. And God allows things sometimes to blow up in our life. Because we're not seeking Him. We're, not, we're being wise in our own eyes. We're, we're being high-minded and being wise in our own opinions. And here comes that sharp tool that cut away with us. What does it look like? It looks like everything that God uses to humble us. In our, in, in our event, the events of our life. Just put it at that. You, God will show, show us. <coughs> and I dare to say that if we would humble ourselves, we can avoid a lot. We can avoid some of these things. Because either we humble ourselves or God is going to humble us. <coughs> 